York and Chapel presents Brands That Matter, the weekly podcast that explores companies whose products, policies, or practices make the world a better place. Now here's your host, John Rarick. Welcome back to Brands That Matter. On behalf of everyone here at York and Chapel and Sugared Studios, I want to thank each and every one of you for taking the time to download and listen to the show. And a very special thanks to those of you who ranked, reviewed, and shared the show with a friend. Okay, this will be our last show of 2019, but we'll be back after the holidays with lots of new episodes profiling brands that make the world a better place. And today, for our holiday edition, we have a very special guest who for more than 20 years has provided thousands of blankets for the homeless of New York City and beyond. Joining us is musician, promoter, homeless advocate, and founder of BlankFest, Ken Rowell. Ken, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. You know, Ken, tell the listeners a little bit about BlankFest. I'm fascinated by it. You and I have some history. You know, I've, I've been both a participant um, and a spectator. And to me, it's always, it's it's such an annual tradition where I get together with friends and hundreds of people that that we both know really have treated it the same way where it's become a social thing, but it's so much bigger than that. Tell us the story of how this all started, what it is, and really that aha moment that got you, that, that made you sit up and go, we've got to do something. Well, let's see. Um, you know, growing up, I grew up in a nice little suburb of New York city, Nyack. And, um, it's an area where, even though my dad worked two jobs and, my mom worked, you know, we never really wanted for anything. And I was always kind of aware of that. And as I got into playing more and more music, I would always hop the little uh, 9A bus uh, down into New York City, get out of the Port Authority, and then find my way down to the village or, you know, wherever I could. And it was either to buy bootleg records or to see if I could sneak into an, uh, an all-ages show somewhere like at CBGB or something like that. And I was coming across more and more. I was coming across people just sleeping literally in, in uh, you know, on steps of, of subway entrances, uh, in hallways, you know, in front of houses and alleys. And it's, it's a, a definite difference between what I was used to growing up, where you were aware of poverty was something you saw on TV, but you didn't encounter it firsthand. And the wheels started turning probably as young as 16. And it took me a while, but I finally um, came up with an idea, and it, it happened quite by accident. I just said, I'm going to collect some blankets from some friends, and on Christmas Eve, I'm going to drive them around New York City and hand them out. So I, I went to a bunch of friends at the local bar where my uh, bass player in my band sh- shot pool, and I would hang out there. I'm a horrible pool player, but I'm a good watcher. And so I got to know the people on his team. They gave me uh, a bunch of blankets, and on Christmas Eve... Uh, I drove down with a friend and we handed them out. It was just such a head rush. I said, we got to do this again next year. And when we went to all of our friends and said, hey, you got any more uh, like spare blankets? And they basically told us we cleaned them out. And so I scratched my head a little bit more. And then I thought, well, wait a second. I'm in a band. I have friends that are in a band. Why don't we all just get together and we'll put on a show and we won't ask for any money at the door. And uh, instead, we'll ask for blankets, any condition. And... uh, those blankets, those 40 blankets we got that first year, uh, that was the beginning of BlindFest. That was 1997, and we just started driving down to the city every year with it. That's amazing. So t- tell me a little bit about that first one again. Where, where was it, and 
what was the vibe like and who were some of the acts that you played with? Well, you know, with, with any idea I come up with, I always second guess myself and, uh, I don't always move on things right away, you know, because I'm wondering, well, is this really a good idea or not? And I remember I told a local musician, I think you might know a uh, Mr. Chuck DeBruin at the time he was bartending at a, at a, a bar called Bruxelles, which was on main street in Nyack, New York. And I remember one night in particular, I was uh, dating somebody out of town and I came back after visiting her for a weekend and I stopped in the bar and uh, Chuck said to me, are you going to do that homeless thing you talked about? I must have let it slip after a, uh, after a, a show one night. And he said, I think that's a great idea, you know, and that really got the wheels turning. So I, uh, I actually went and, and checked with a few uh, friends with bands. And within 10 days, we put together the first Blank Fest. And speaking of Chuck, he actually brought down a bunch of blankets for the first show. I think he cleared out his, uh, his mom's summer house up in, <laughs> up in Cape Cod. Yeah, came up with 20 of those 40 blankets. And uh, we just thought we were awesome because, you know, hey, we planned on a four-hour show. It only lasted three and a half hours uh, before uh, the sound man said he needed to go home. And, and uh, as he was rolling up the snake, I started counting the blankets, and I found we had 40, 40 of them there. And I said, all right, this is not a bad haul. And I wasn't even planning on doing it the next year. It was just a one-off. And the last couple of minutes that I was on stage just thanking everybody, all of a sudden I just said it right off the top of my head. I said, I will see you next year. And everybody applauded. And I said, okay, I guess this is a thing now. Did you, in a million years, did you think when you did that first one before it was done that this was going to be a regular thing for two decades plus? <laughs> I don't mean to go dark on you, but I didn't even think I'd be alive in 20 years, let alone <laughs> emceeing a show, you know, and, and, and raising blankets for the homeless. Um, I'm happy that we've been able to keep this going. And Lord knows I, I have plenty of help and plenty of people that have, you know, like this isn't just all me, even though I get it seems seemingly a lot of the credit for it or most of it. It's, I, I'm telling you, there are just so many, so many people who have done the legwork, uh, picked up the ball when I was clueless. And, uh, if it hadn't been for the support team that I have around us, you know, around me and, and then all the rest of the volunteers, there's no way this would have gotten past year five, you know? Yeah, let's, so let's talk about the growth a little because it's pretty, pretty sensational just how many blankets you've, been, you've managed to be able to accumulate in, in the 20-plus years you've been doing the event. But mm -hmm. you, started, you started small, and, and it, this thing just sort of snowballed. And how, so what did you do? Did you tap into other people to make that happen? Was it just a phenomenon that sort of grew on its own? Was it a combination of both? I'm always curious to hear how something like this starts to really grow and take on a life of its own. Because I can tell you this, I don't even live in New York anymore, but still... Uh, around December 1st, I start getting emails from people saying, are we all meeting up at Blank Fest? Oh, wow. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, I'm, I, you'll never know how grateful I am that uh, people like yourself have this on their calendar and, you know, uh, make a point of making the time to contribute to something like this. Because for years I just thought, well, you know, this is something we're doing in a vacuum, but it was okay, you know. I mean, early on, I, I knew we weren't going to have any big uh, money behind us, and that was fine. Um, 
I, I do believe that the best movements are the ones that grow organically and, uh, and, and, and the ones that, um, you know, aren't some big, big media splash, but a real grassroots kind of thing. It seems like uh, the people involved are a lot more sincere. And, uh, and I'm not disparaging any other benefit shows or, you know, any, any big celebrity kind of deals. I mean, I think it all ties in together. You do what you can. And it, but it's just something when you can actually get people that work nine to five jobs or, you know, midnight to eight jobs, and they take the time to be able to uh, contribute to something that they believe in. And so, again, 40 blankets the first year. And again, half of them came from one guy. And I thought, well, okay, that's pretty cool. And then the next year, I think it was 79 blankets. And I said, okay, well, now that's, that's pretty cool. And then the third year, we topped over 100 for the first time. And by, um, by the uh, early part of the 21st century, uh, we were getting like anywhere from 700 to 800, 900 uh, donations. We started counting other, other um, donations, too, because in the early days, I was a bit of a literal uh, pain in the butt. I would, I would um, if somebody brought like a jacket, I'd say it's not jacket fest, it's blank fest, meaning, you know, short for blanket. It was also a play on blank generation. But then I, I realized after the second year, um, I had some blankets that somebody had dumped off at the show, I just put them in the trunk. I was going to drop them at the Salvation Army when I was done. And when we ran out of blankets, I remember this one poor guy just looked up at me and he just, he had the, the, uh, the biggest puppy dog eyes. He goes, you don't have anything for me? Because I was out of blankets at this point. I said, hold on a second. I went back to the trunk and I gave him a blanket or gave me a, a jacket. And uh, he thanked me profusely. And I thought, you know what? <laughs> Any any relief, any comfort is welcome. And so we started counting all donations. And then from that point forward, it just seemed to exponentially grow, you know? Well, that's great. So, you, you know, I, I was thinking you must have so many amazing memories from these events over the last couple of decades. Which one or two really stick out most in your mind? Like there must be something that you're like, oh, I'll never forget that. Uh, there are happy ones and then there are sad ones. Um, yeah. I yeah. remember... I remember the second year, um, I couldn't wait to get done. You know, I was just like out all night long. And uh, uh, w w one of my bosses, I worked at a record label, and one of my bosses there, she went with me, but um, she wanted to go home and call her boyfriend. He was a director out on the West Coast. And so I dropped her in her apartment on West 96th Street. And so I was by myself for the last like two hours. And I was just lonely and miserable. And I just, you know, and I got very selfish. It was like, let me get rid of these blankets and I'll get going. So I found the right people to hand them to on the street. You know, I found the homeless. And it's tough finding homeless on, on Christmas Eve a lot of times because after a while they, they kind of go underground and you just got to know where they're at. But anyway, I found, the, I found um, the people to get them out to and I got rid of my last blanket and it was about one o'clock in the morning and I was just so charged i'm gonna go home get some sleep i'm gonna celebrate christmas with my family and as i'm driving out of the city i see uh, uh, a man and a woman they're all bundled up it looked like they were in rags they were pushing the cart they had a couple plastic bags in it and they had a child walking with them and i felt so sad because number one it's christmas and what kind of christmas is this kid having and number two i was completely out of out of uh, blanks there was nothing i could give them and so I just, just drove by, you know, and, and 
it was that kind of a useless feeling. And thankfully, I've never had that 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 experience again. A, uh, a few times, uh, I actually found some people that said they didn't need blankets, but they needed a bite to eat. And so uh, I remember up in uh, in uh, West Harlem, uh, there was a Chinese food restaurant. For a couple of bucks, I could get some. Yeah, just one guy a meal. Another guy I got uh, um, I got burgers at Burger King for. Uh, I don't do it often because I usually don't have a lot of capital. But how can you say no to these people? You know. You know, Ken. Uh, there's a lot of people that try to figure out how to solve the homeless issue, and not enough people that try to just figure out how to give some relief to people that really need help. So. Just want, you know, on behalf of everybody, I just want to thank you and everybody that's had anything to do with Blank Fest for just taking the time to go, hey, I don't have all the answers. This problem's much bigger than me or the rest of us, but maybe we can do just a little bit to help people out. And, yeah. you know, that goes a long way, man. Um, you know, listen, there's been quite a few critics over the years who have said, you know, you're not solving the, uh, the problem. I said, I never really was supposed to solve the problem. I just, it, I, I'm, I, I'm a reacting kind of person. If I see something in the paper, I have a knee-jerk reaction. I want to do something to help. Um, you know, it, it, blindness was never meant to be a solution. It was basically meant to hold the line until the cavalry could uh, show up and save the day. Um, and, and there have been some wonderful efforts that have, that have really um, picked up in the last few years. I know there's a there's a coat drive in New York City that uh, is, is just a wonderful addition to the landscape. Um, you know, and then you got guys like, you know, uh, former President Jimmy Carter, who's uh, helping build houses for the homeless down in Georgia. And there's a lot more other less ballyhooed um, uh, uh, grassroots type of efforts that are really, really helping out. And I think that's that's the key. Um you know, I had somebody tell me the second year that it was it was a, it was a lousy idea because it didn't solve anything. But mm. you know, I, I don't know how you could say that when you see somebody there shivering, you hand them a blanket, and they're not shivering anymore when when you leave. You know. I hear you. Hey, talk, let's talk what? about this. Let's talk about this year's event. What's what's on store? What's in store for uh, this year? Tell us the date, where it's going to be. Well, um, it's in Nyack, like it's been every year since 97. Um, uh, it's a, a lovely little club. Bruxelles was our home for several years. And then one day, you know, I, I don't live in Nyack anymore. I haven't lived in Nyack in over 20 years. Uh, but my family still is there. And I went to go visit them. And I remember I was taking the bus up from New York City. And uh, the bus goes right by where Bruxelles was. And I noticed <laughs> there was like signs on the place saying closed or for rent, and I was like, uh-oh, you know, uh, we need a club. And there were a lot of decent clubs in Nyack, but I was looking for that one with that combination of stage and with lighting, a walking crowd. Uh, and th- and it, it, was, it was funny because there's not that many that fit that bill. And uh, it was actually uh, Chuck, Chuck the Bruin, who uh, knew, uh, I think his name is John Hudson. He's the owner of the Hudson House. And, oh, Matt, uh, Matt Hudson, Matt Hudson, sensational Matt, uh, pastry chef and owner of the Hudson House. You know, it's funny because I deal with Matt maybe once a year if I'm lucky, and it's usually uh, his uh, his booking uh, person, Sky. 
she's the one I text like several times a year, and we're always coordinating. So apologies to Matt, but yeah, it was Matt Hudson that Chuck went to bat uh, for us and spoke with him. He sold him on the idea. And it's funny because the Hudson House originally was the Nyack Village Hall. And upstairs, they have like a little riser that they used to have um, uh, the judge sit at, and uh, he would hear court cases, like traffic cases. And uh, that made itself into a natural stage area. And the lighting, uh, Matt had put up there ages ago. And uh, you want to talk about full circle. I hadn't been up there since the Baghdadios played a, uh, a, a local cable TV program. It was our first ever TV um, experience. It was called Live at the Hutton House. We played there like Halloween in like the early 90s. And I hadn't been back there until Chuck arranged it with Matt for us to bring Blankfest in. And that was about 10 years ago. And we've had it there ever since. So the Hudson House in Nyack, New York, I think it's 134 Main Street. Uh, it's definitely, uh, it, it's, it's, a one, it's a wonderful restaurant downstairs. And then upstairs, the banquet room is basically where we hold the whole show. That's great. And what's the date? Uh, December 22nd. This one is late in the year, but we always try to have it the Christmas before um, or excuse me, the uh, Sunday before Christmas. And, and this is really uh, like an all-day event, right? Doors open early and, and stay open late, is that right? Yeah, I get there around 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning, and we're setting everything up, and by noontime, the doors are open, and uh, we used to be sticklers about booking, like, every single slot, but as uh, talent got a little bit more hard to find, especially when you're having it only three days before Christmas, I find that leaving the early um, uh, afternoon slots open actually works out in our favor because if somebody walks in and says, hey, can I go up and sing a song? I'll hand them my guitar and let them go up and do something. You know, uh, it's, it's got a kind of a nice uh, hometown feel to it. Um, we actually have a real pro band coming in from Boston, Amanda White. Uh, she's a singer-songwriter. Originally, she was... Um, I think from the Midwest, and she lived in New York for several years. She actually appeared in one of our music videos like 15 years ago, and uh, she's been, since uh, been really, really uh, making a name for herself up in Beantown. So uh, when it came back to us that she wanted to uh, play this, I was like, oh, absolutely. She's actually going on at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And then, uh, well, golly, let me take a look right here. I've got the whole schedule in front of me. Um you know, we have some real great um, returning uh, acts, including, let's see, Festival of Friends is, is kind of an acoustic um, roots kind of uh, uh, group. They, they've got a real good, good, uh, earthy American sound to them. Uh, let's see, David Tanner is a promoter that I've worked with for over 20 years. Um, he actually started as a singer-songwriter back in the 70s in New York City. And he got more into the promotion end of the business. And a friend of his passed away a few years ago, and he actually uh, has relearned how to play guitar and is starting to do acoustic versions of his of his friend's uh, songs. And he said, "Could I get up and do a set of his of his tunes?" I said, "Absolutely. I might even join him on one." Um, yeah, that, let's see. Joe Durso. Oh, geez, Joe Durso is going on at around um, four o'clock, and he is. Um, just a, just a force to be reckoned with. Uh, he's actually one of the uh, the owners of the newer CBGB incarnations. Um, 
and as a matter of fact, he was responsible for bringing me on board. I worked with their festival the first year because of Joe. Uh, he tours every year uh, uh, with the Mills Lofgren associated event. It's uh, called Light of Day. Raises money for Parkinson's, ALS, and other uh, neurological diseases. Uh, he tours Europe every year. A lot of times, he can't even make Blank Fest because he's still on tour. But this year, he gets back. Um, I don't think it was like it was about four years ago where he literally came off the plane, got in a limousine, and came up and did the show. But it's close. So, Joe uh, Durso, if, if, the folks, if the folks listening aren't familiar with him, he puts on an amazing show. I've seen him perform at three or four Blank Fests over the years. And it, it's, it's, it's a must-see show. Yeah, he's, he's something else. He's... Uh, and, you know, homegrown, born and raised in New York, uh, went to high school in Rockland County, you know, uh, has never left the area. And uh, he's, he, he also organizes the Rockland Music Festival. He's been doing that for the last couple of years. And he's been, you know, he had Willie Nile play this, uh, among many, many others. Um, so, yeah, it's just having Joe. As a matter of fact, I usually credit Joe and Chuck as co-founders with me because the first year, Joe ma- managed to show up with his band in tow and put on one hell of a set. There was only about like four or five acts. Joe Durso was one of them. And so, can, uh, can your band, the Baghdadios, typically close every event? Is that the same this year? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember one year Chuck talked me into giving me a, a primetime spot like in the middle of the night, and that was nice. But to be honest, when you've got this much talent, you know, you try to make it as little about yourself as possible. So I don't mind mopping up the place, and and usually that's when the most interesting stuff happens anyway. You know? That's right. There's something to be said for the drunken mayhem that occurs at 2 a.m. 2 a. on a Monday morning. Well, you know what? The Baghdadios have conquered the art of playing bad. You know, we can play bad better than any band out there. So if we're having a rough night, it's like, well, how do you know? You know, um, it's, it's just we go out there. We just bang out our chords. If we're in tune, that's great. If not, there's a lot of energy. It, it just feels really, really, really good. And I, I know I'm downplaying it a lot, and I, I know my fellow band members would like to choke me for saying this because I am surrounded by some great, great, great musicians. But it's like um, I, I just tell them, don't take it too seriously. Go out there and have fun with it. You know, the, the, the last thing in the world we need is people, like, so wound up that, like, they're not going to enjoy themselves. Relish the moment, because I'm telling you, the, the, the first 23 years have blown by in, a, in what felt like a, a, an eye bat. And I just, my, my feeling is, just, just stand there, absorb it, know that you're doing well for the community. And you know what? If you miss a note, it ain't the end of the world. Ken, where, where can folks learn more or see the lineup for the event? Oh, well, let's see. Uh, we are in the middle of updating our website right now. We should have done it a little bit earlier, but I was a little bit um, remiss in getting the information out. Um, been going through a, a bunch of meetings right now. We've got a couple of things uh, in the air as far as promotion is concerned. And um, the website just got the information in. It should be up by, I'm hoping, tomorrow. It'll be blank fest. Dot org. Now, normally, Blankfest is spelled with a hyphen, B-L-A-N-K-F-E-S-T, but for the, uh, for the um, website, it's just one continual word, B-L-A-N-K-F-E-S-T.org. Yeah, and we'll put a link in the show notes to that site so folks can get to it who are listening to this podcast. It's December 22nd at the Hudson House in Nyack, New York, 
Yep. Tw- year 23, Ken? Year number 23, XXIII. Holy moly. And they, of course, the admission, the important part, admission, one blanket for the homeless of New York City. I can't think of a better use of an old blanket. Bring it to Blankfest. Have a great time. Meet friends there. It's a great place to just sort of gather with folks. And by the way, uh, Nyack, New York, if you're, if you're a listener in the, in the greater New York area or New York City, only about 20 miles north, straight shot right up the Hudson, beautiful little river village. Check it out. Also, if you're going to Blankfest, wouldn't hurt to make reservations at Hudson House and have dinner. Unbelievable food there as well. Ken Rowell, I can't thank you enough for 23 years of service to the homeless of New York City with Blankfest. Uh, just a great example of somebody taking their many talents and funneling them to help make the world a better place. Ken, thanks for being here today. Well, I appreciate it big time, John. If I could just say one last thing, too, um, because we were talking about all the acts. I didn't get a chance to mention that Bobby Steele is going to be playing. I think this is his eighth Blank Fest in a row. Uh, he usually does a solo. You know, he was with the Misfits back in the day, and he also fronts his own band called The Undead. Patty Rothberg is a veteran. Um, she was signed with EMI at Capitol Records, uh, and uh, she's been on Letterman and on Leno and MTV, and she'll be uh, playing. She's been there since Blank Fest, too. And if I don't mention my wife, who has been uh, doing bilingual poetry all over North America, uh, she, uh, she will be doing it, uh, she'll be doing it there as well for about the fifth year in a row. Uh, if I don't mention her, why, there's, there's no peace in the house. So uh, I figured I'd mention all three of them. Plus, we're going to have a couple of new acts, uh, but I'm not going to announce them yet because the ink isn't dry yet on the contracts. Sounds like an unbelievable lineup. Check it out at blankfest.org. Ken, thanks for being here. John, thank you, thank you, thank you. Join us next week for another episode of Brands That Matter. And please, leave us a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about York and Chapel, visit yorkandchapel.com.